I think another thing that people might might struggle with a little bit is they come in um, talking about themselves a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed someone say something like, hey, I, let me tell you my story or let me tell you like uh, what um, my path is or why I love this product or why this has helped me so much. And it's like, great. But really at the end, end of the day, and I say this with all the love in my heart and that is... Hey guys, welcome back to Sippin' on Success. I hope everyone is really enjoying their, you know, last week of 2020 and looking forward to the new year. I know I am. I feel like there's going to be so many positive things coming for 2021. So get hype, you know, keep manifesting, keep doing your thing, and I'm sure it'll happen. But I just wanted to plug, you know, the Instagram podcast, Sippin' on Success, where you'll find podcast updates. And as you know, I've switched to posting every other week on Tuesdays, which has been really great for my schedule and my mental health. Also, I would love if you can comment or like the podcast on either Apple or Spotify if you are enjoying the content. So before we get into our guest interview today, I wanted to share my In the Know segment. So this week, I have really, you know, have taken a pause on reading self-help books and have kind of switched it up to, you know, other interests that I have. I felt like I was reading self-help books that, you know, kept on blending together and I wasn't really retaining the information as much as I probably should have been. And, you know, I definitely probably should have been taking notes, but, you know, I wasn't. And I think I just needed some sort of a different outlet. And so I started to read this book called The Velvet Economy. Actually, it's The Velvet Rope Economy. And it has been really, really interesting talking about the, you know, United States economy and what the velvet rope is. Very interesting stuff. I've also been reading about wine. And I kind of got started on that kick when I bought one of those subscription boxes for my mom and I to enjoy. And, you know, I was drinking the wine with her and I was like, you know, maybe it'd be smart if I actually knew, you know, about what I was drinking, where it was coming from, you know, what it pairs best with. And yes, the subscription service totally provides some of that information. But I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to dive in deeper. And so... You know, reading those two different books, obviously so such different genres, but I think taking a step back from self-help books really has helped me, and I'm really enjoying, you know, t- reading about something completely different and out of the norm. So today's guest we have is Macy McNeely, and she is the co-founder and co-CEO of Guide Culture. And the Guide Culture has been changing the game of sales since 2016. She grew up in a sales culture home and has been passionate about every organization in America becoming a sales culture organization since 2016. She believes that life is a series of sales transactions. When sales skills are second nature, you can control conversations, communicate effectively, and become an incredible leader. Once her dad, Lloyd Day, taught her his sales training he created for his staff, everything changed and she knew she had to share the information. From there, Guide Culture, a sales and leadership training was born. As a team, they have been on a mission to make sales cool again. 
Macy is passionate about helping other people improve their mindset and take control of their life with the skills they teach in guide culture. Welcome, Macy. Hey, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm excited to learn a little bit more. So my first question for you is how did you and your dad get started with guide culture and how did that kind of, you know, generate maybe a change in your relationship with him? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like I said, uh, or like you said, I grew up in a sales cultured home, basically meaning, and now that I'm older, I see what he did as a parent. Uh, he really helped me make decisions on my own. He guided me into decisions not necessarily saying, Hey Macy, you need to do this. You should do this as a, you know, parent daughter kind of relationship. And uh, I don't even think I really realized how much of an impact that had on me is really learning how to kind of build relationship and help people make the best decisions for themselves in a place of a relationship, not necessarily as being an authority type of person. And, you know, he was an entrepreneur, always had been my whole life. And when I started my first job out of college, I pretty quickly knew that it was, it was not going to be for me, that I wanted to be out on my own. I wanted to do my own thing. And so I started a side hustle as a wellness coach. I was really into health and wellness, still am, love it so much. And I really realized I was, I was really missing a, a huge piece of, of the pie because I felt like I was doing all the things, right? I was showing up on social media, like everybody says to, that was sharing what I want needed to share. I was trying to grow my following. It was like, I was on this hamster wheel and I just could not get traction. And, uh, he, I was living at home at the time. I just graduated college and he could kind of hear what I was doing and see what I was doing. And he, he would kind of come, come up to me and say, Hey Macy, like, I know what you need. I know the missing piece for you. And it is sales training. It is sales skills. And of course at the time I'm like, dad, I love you, but you're just really not that cool. And that's not cool anymore. Uh, and I don't know, Kelly, if you have a type of feeling when you hear the word sales, do you have a type of feeling? Yeah, I think there's, everyone has that negative connotation of like a sales representative or anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And so that's exactly what I had too. I'm like, ew, gross. Like I share on social media. I don't sell on social media. It's a totally different situation. But you know, my back was against the wall. I had just quit my job. My husband and I had just gotten married. And uh, I, I went to him with my tail tucked between my legs and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to learn. And he said, okay, well, here's what's about to happen. You're going to come to my office every day where you're going to learn. And then you're going to go into the world and you're going to practice. So you're going to go on social media. You're going to go in real life and you're going to practice what you learn. And then the next day you're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. And then we'll build on that information. And we did that for, I want to say like six or seven months. And when I was really laser focused on it, I really didn't look up. I didn't really read anything else. I wasn't listening to anything else. I was so focused on these sales skills. Um, I looked up and everything had quadrupled. My Instagram following, my engagement, my income, my clients quadrupled. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the missing piece for so many entrepreneurs. They, especially young entrepreneurs, they are trying to get on social media and just be almost like an ambassador which is not the same thing as a salesperson, right? An ambassador is somebody that like, you just like something. Like I'm an ambassador of Apple. I love Mac. I love my iPhone. I love my computer. I don't know that much about it, but I love it. And I can't really tell you professionally. I don't really have the product knowledge. I don't really have the skills uh, to be able to get you to be an Apple person for life. But what I do have product knowledge on is sales skills, personal development, and leadership. 
And so uh, that was so huge for me. And I, and I went back to him and said, Hey, like, let's put this together and let's do this. Let's sell this to other people. And he said, I'll do it on one condition. He said, I have to be able to let other people practice just like you were able to practice and get feedback. And in the moment I, I, I kind of pushed back to push back a little bit. Cause I was like, Hey, Hey dad, we really need to scale this business. And it's hard to scale when you are kind of almost having one-on-one time with every single student. It's like impossible to scale. And he just said, Hey, there has to be a way because if you don't practice, you, you can't master it. Turns out he's right. Like he is about most things. <laughs> and uh, we were able to uh, be able to put a, this massive component in the program, which is what we call labs and is where people practice and they get feedback. And we have incredible coaches that do that, that are just have been with us since the beginning. Um, and that's, that's how, our, that's how that all started. And then uh, our relationship has just uh, grown even more. I'm so thankful. I think as you get older, you kind of realize, Oh my gosh, like my dad, my parents are right. It's like they were right about a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'm just thankful that I realized that a lot earlier than most people do. And so I got to really take advantage of his knowledge and his wisdom. And he's really passed down some really incredible information. That's great. I'm sure one day when I get a little bit older, I'll <laughs> be able to more appreciate what my dad is saying, but I'm kind of at that spot where you were with the social media, like, yeah, come on. Stop. You don't get it. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, it's, you almost have to feel like that certain amount of pain to be able to open your brain. So, um, uh, actually, you know, I have this iPad sitting next to me right here. I've kind of always knew I knew I needed an iPad for like taking notes. I do a lot of reading and stuff. And it really wasn't until I was in this moment where I needed a notebook that was at home and I wasn't at home and I was about to get on this big meeting. I was about to get on this big call and I didn't have what I needed. And I thought if I had my, if I had an iPad, if I, you know, took notes on my iPad, this wouldn't be a problem. So in that moment, I bought the iPad right away, had it delivered next day and started using it because I experienced so much pain in that moment that I made the decision right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so within my entrepreneur journey, I had experienced so much pain of just like not like working so hard and nothing happening that I was like, okay, I will do anything. Like I'm, my brain is open. My heart is open. Just give me what I need to make this work. Awesome. So yeah. Now you started guide culture, but now what happened yeah. to kind of that wellness route coach yeah. speaking? Did that kind yeah. of get put on pause? It's a great question. Well, you know, do you know what RAS is, Kelly? No, I don't. It's it basically stands for reticular activation system. And it's basically like, you know, let's say you um you you decide, oh, I really like Teslas. And then all of a sudden you see Teslas all over the road because your reticular activation system, your brain starts looking for certain things that you've kind of already thought about because you can't, your brain can't take in all, all the things. So you, it kind of filters things naturally. So when I started to learn sales skills, my RAS, my reticular activation system was only on the fact that people didn't have these skills. Like I couldn't unsee it everywhere I'd go, every interaction I have, especially on Instagram, I'd watch Instagram stories. I'd watch people on social media. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if they just flipped a couple of words, if they just had certain knowledge about certain things, it would be so different from them. And uh, it's all I could think about. And so I did retire my, I still have the passion of health and wellness, but totally just not interested in that anymore. Just so laser focused on what is most important to me right now, which is spreading the message of sales skills and that they're cool and not slimy. 
<laughs> no, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also like important, like at different stages in your life, you know, that mm-hmm. might've been, you know, your passion or your side hustle. And now your kind of gears have changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even something that I'm learning now, like things I was interested back then just, you know, aren't totally. there anymore. Yeah. And you know, I mean, if you talk to most entrepreneurs, they start somewhere, you know, they start in something that ends up leading them somewhere else. If I didn't start as this side hustle, I would never even know that I had a passion for sales skills. So it was in my, in my journey for a reason. Absolutely. Um, but most, most, excuse me, most people don't end up where they start, but Mm -hmm. it just depends. And what were those like first steps that you took like with your dad to get the company up and running? Oh my gosh. It's so much. I, I don't even know what the first steps were. It felt like a um, fire hydrant, uh, <laughs> fire hydrant, you know? So uh, luckily with the wellness coaching, I had a following, which I was really thankful for a little bit of a following. I mean, when I say, I mean, I had like 5,000 Instagram followers, which at the time for me was like such a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And I did have to kind of experience a little bit of almost like audience turnover because of course people come to me for wellness and then I start talking about sales and it's like, hey, I'm not here for this, which is totally fine. You want those people to go away and you want the right people to come in. Now, what's been interesting is that through sales skills of really helping people think differently. That's a huge part of, of learning to sell is helping people have different perceptions. I've been able to kind of convert some of those people who originally followed me for wellness and they ha- their brains have opened of like, oh my gosh, maybe she's right. Maybe I do need sales skills and they've come to guide culture. And it's been such a cool relationship that I've built with those people. Uh, but it's been, it was slowly kind of changing the narrative of what I talked about on Instagram. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes from, like I said, sales skills, we have a method called guide method, G U I D E. And that's pretty much what I live off of. I just kind of filter any kind of message, any kind of thought, any kind of idea through that method and hopefully convert people into thinking a certain way in order think, think about the right things in order to buy from me. So I don't know if you've ever heard, like if someone is telling you to, um, to, do you know what an ICA is? It's an ideal client avatar. It's like, hey, who's your ideal client? You need to narrow them down. You need to describe them so that you can look for them and you know, you're aware of them. And one of those things that you do is, hey, what do people need to believe in order to buy from me? So for example, people need to believe that a growth mindset is valuable. In order, to, in order to be in guide culture, that is a super important belief. If they think people are just born the way they are and they just aren't going to change and it is what it is, that is not going to vibe with guide culture. They're not going to like it. So a huge part of what I talk about is growth mindset, personal development, being better to hopefully help people think and believe in a growth mindset. When they believe in that, that's one step closer to being able to buy from me or being able to uh, uh, get value from guide culture. So really kind of changing the narrative, changing the beliefs that people need to believe in order to follow me, be excited to listen to me and hopefully buy from me one day. Awesome. What kind of um, niches are your clients in or like a majority? You know what is so interesting, Kelly? It has been all kinds of people. Like, I don't know if you've heard, you probably haven't, but um, I love to study different companies and what they do and what they value and how they, who their niches are. And one thing I read about anthropology one time was that they don't really have an ideal client per se. It's not a specific age. It's not a specific niche. It's not a specific, you know, um, 
type of career they have, it's the way they view the world is very similar for people that buy from anthropology. And that's what I would have to say about guide culture too. Like I said, it's a lot of growth mindset. It's a lot of entrepreneur, a lot of online entrepreneurs, but also like we actually have a lot of people from the medical field. So pediatric dentists, actually, if you've come through there, functional uh, medicine doctors, we've had some, um, we've had some, uh, like a painter who owns a paint company. We have dog trainers, all different kinds of people, because at the end of the day, if you are living, you are, are in sales. If you are a parent, you are in a sales job of parenting your child. Like that, if that isn't a sales job, I don't know what is because I mean, there's one thing you could do is like force your kid to eat broccoli or you could guide them into their own decision to eat broccoli for the rest of their life because they want to be healthy for the rest of their life. Not in that moment of just sit here and eat broccoli because I told you to, right? So if you're a parent, you're in sales with your kid. If you're a coach, you're in sales with your team. If you, all of it is the same. So it's all different types of people, but they all have the same mentality of entrepreneurship, growing, being better, and uh, growing their growing their business. Wow. Yeah. And with those clients, what do you find are like the top three sales mistakes that they're making? Uh, you know, there's so many, <laughs> but, but it's not, it's not even this a sales mistake. It's more of like, they just don't know. It's like, it's almost like it's not their fault because no one's told them. Um, so one thing I, I notice people do, cause since we do have a lot of online entrepreneurs, most sell on Instagram and what they kind of come to guide culture doing is really trying to sell to the masses. So I know there's nothing more than, than what most people want is to say, Hey, to my 20,000 Instagram followers, swipe up and buy. And hopefully, you know, 20% of those 50,000 Instagram followers are going to swipe up and just buy. Uh, and unfortunately that's just, uh, that's where you become truly, like I said, like more of like an ambassador, uh, because what you can do, what, what will work much better is if you really master selling to the individual first, and then you can start selling to the masses. People come right out of the gate, just trying to sell on a really, really big scale. Uh, and they miss some major, major pieces. And what's hard when you miss those major pieces, there's a huge risk of losing some critical potential prospects. Maybe you lose trust. Maybe you lose some credibility. Maybe you don't really have the right answers to the right questions. You struggle handling objections publicly. And when you lose people like that, it's really hard to get them back. It's almost, I don't want to say impossible, but it's almost impossible to really build trust all over again when you've lost trust from somebody. So really learning the basic sales principles of selling individually first is probably one of the best things I could tell someone to do before they go and sell to the masses. I think another thing that people might, might struggle with a little bit is they come in um, talking about themselves a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed someone say something like, hey, I, let me tell you my story or let me tell you like uh, what um, my path is or why I love this product or why this has helped me so much. And it's like, great. But really at the end, end of the day, and I say this with all the love in my heart, and that is that nobody cares really about you. People care what's in it for them. And so if you can really take the focus off of you and constantly be talking about, hey, this is why this is great for you. I mean, you could say, hey, uh, this lip gloss is so good for you know my lips. It keeps my lips hydrated and it actually makes them really plump. 
you could say that, which is like, okay, cool. Or you could say, hey, what's really great about this lip gloss is if you have dry lips, it is going to moisturize them and it's going to make your lips appear more plump. It literally switching IDU, it turns people's ears on because they care about themselves. Uh, and it's almost like a dog whistle. You know, they hear, people hear what's in it for them way more than they hear why you like something. So really taking focus off of themselves is probably one of the major things people learn how to do in guide culture. And it includes kind of deleting the words us, we, me, my, I out of your vocabulary when you're talking on Instagram, in your Instagram stories and in sales conversations. That makes sense, but most of the time, if you can really just keep the focus on other people, it's gonna uh, you're gonna be way more effective, and people are gonna listen much longer. Wow! And since you said there's a lot of people who um, have like online, you know, are like promoting themselves online. What are you finding like the best channels that for them to promote on? You know, I don't I don't know if there's a best channel. I think. The way I think about social media, because there are so many platforms that you feel like you need to be on, and it's like, how do I do it all? The best way to think about it is kind of like an octopus. You could have, you know, eight really weak arms, and then when you try to hug your audience with those weak arms, they kind of fall out. Um, I would rather you have one really, really strong arm to hold your audience tight. And then once that arm is, one arm is really, really strong, whether that's Instagram, whether that's Twitter, whether that's TikTok, whatever you want to use, then you can slowly start moving to the next platform and the next platform and the next platform. What's been cool about our students is that these principles, they overflow into whichever platform that they use. And so when new things come up like TikTok, it's not like, oh crap, I have to, I have to figure this out. It's like, I know exactly how to present content, the technical side of just learning how to edit video and use the sounds and put the the text and whatever. That's a totally different ball game. You can look that up on YouTube all day long. Uh, but the, the basic sales principles, they overflow into TikTok or to whichever platform, which has been really valuable for us and for our students as well. Mm-hmm. And with the online program, how long does it take to complete it? And what kind of are some of the steps that these clients take? Yeah. So guide culture, it actually has always been a four week program, uh, but in 2021, it is going to be an eight week program based on the feedback that we've gotten. They are just like, Hey, we need this a little bit longer. We need a little bit more. And so we say, okay, it's a lot of material. Uh, the material was put together by my dad uh, and he's been putting it together over 30 years, 30 years. Wow. So you can imagine 30 years worth of content how thick that workbook is. It's definitely a lot. Um, And that's what, honestly, I have to say, that's just what's so valuable about guide culture. So many course creators, they create a course to sell. uh, And we had the course, we had the material. We were like, oh my gosh, now it's time to put it out into the world. And that's why I think it's so special and so different. But it's an eight week program and there's six sessions. And within each session, you have those lab sessions, which is where you practice and you get feedback. So many people get really nervous about that. And I get it. I also want to feel really good about 
whatever I'm getting into. Uh, what's really cool about the labs is that it's a super, super safe place. You really can't mess up. The coaches are going to meet you kind of right where you're at. So if you're, you know, a little more uh, beginner, they're going to meet you right there and just push you a little bit harder. And then if you're a little bit more advanced, we have a little bit more advanced lab techniques and they'll meet you there as well. But the labs, they are proven. Uh, in fact, our brain functional doctors that came to take guide culture, they said, Hey, do you know what, you know why this works? Right. And we said, well, no, tell us why. And they said, uh, the brain, when it is in a quote of a state of a hot seat, as they say, uh, that's when you absorb and maintain information more and it becomes more part of your subconscious. And so the lab, we call it like a warm seat because you're in that state. You're a little bit more aware. You're a little bit more heightened. You might be a little bit nervous, which is a good thing, but it's really, really safe. So you get a rep in and then it's what we call it as a rep. And then when you go into the real world and you actually use it, you have already gotten feedback. You've already practiced and you are so much more confident. So um, there's six sessions in session one, we go through a six step uh, sequence for conversations. Uh, in session two, you learn all about curiosity and getting to the DBM of that potential client. Also info gather, that's a huge thing people don't do. They just assume that they know what you want and they don't really ask and get to the bottom of it. Uh, session three, we go all into handling doubts or objections. Any place you go, you're going to get a doubt, an objection, or a question. Actually, um, a lot of times questions should be handled as objections and they're just answered. So for example, if someone were to say, hey, Macy, you know, tell me how much time this takes or how much time this is, or how, like you said, how long is it? Uh, someone's really asking or what they're really thinking is either, you know, I'm too busy. I'm worried I'm too busy for this, or I'm worried this is going to be too hard, or I'm worried this is going to be too much. And so really understanding why they're asking the question and then kind of getting to the root of it and then handling like an objection is going to be way more, more beneficial and way more professional as well. Session four, we go all into attention, getting attention, the temporary attention, and then also keeping tension for the long term. Session five, we go all into storytelling visualization, and session six is the close. Wow, incredible. Very packed. <laughs> yeah, it's juicy, as we like to call it. It's a lot. We also have in-person sessions. We've had to pause in 2020, hoping to pick back up in 2021, but we have a headquarters in uh, around Atlanta, Georgia, and we host about 40 students at a time. And we do a three-day session. And those are like jam-packed, super valuable. People get so much out of that. Um, and we go the full three days really, really hard. And it's so fun. That does sound fun. It's like a mini conference. It really is. And we become a little family. And it's just, we usually <laughs> have them once a month. And now we just don't have any. I'm really missing it. <laughs> Now, from the beginning, when you said, like, once you graduated college, like, you kind of were, you know, unsure of, like, where, what you were going to be doing and your path, mm -hmm. and did you ever kind of expect yourself to be an entrepreneur? Like, what did you think when you got yourself involved with this? You know what? Growing up, I always thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. Always. I just thought I was going to go to college, get a degree just to get the degree because that's what you're supposed to do, get married and start having kids. And right when I got married, I was like, okay, I'm not like, this is actually not, I wanted to be married. I did not want to have kids. I was not ready for that. Um, and so that's when the entrepreneur, the kind of entrepreneur, um, Russell in my heart kind of started. And 
ever since then, I just have been hitting the ground running. I've been so focused. I feel like, I think it's been like four or five years now where it's just been, I just love it so much. I, I just could not imagine doing anything else. And I think my dad being an entrepreneur subconsciously, like I remember him being at everything. Like I remember him being at every ballet, every tennis match, everything like that. But I also remember him working so hard. So he had the flexibility, but he also had so much responsibility. And I remember feeling that from him, even as a very, very young age. And subconsciously, I think I remember, you know, my dad or my friend's parents that, weren't entrepreneurs they were really kind of handcuffed to certain things and couldn't leave and I was like wait why can't they leave they just just come then go back to work and they're like no they can't do that and I just remember being like okay that is like not what I want if I am gonna uh work one day um and I have just become so passionate about sales skills that I can't imagine doing anything else I love it so much Awesome. Mm-hmm. And going off that, um, yeah. what would you say like your favorite and your least favorite part of working for yourself is? Um, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's pros and cons as you just mentioned, but yeah, I mean, you know, everything feels like a pro to me. I can see, I, I will say entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It is it is not. So for those people that it's not for, I could see how some things might be a con. So like, for example, kind of talking about the responsibility there is, especially when you have people work for you, we have a team of, um, four and a half people, five and a half, including me. And, um, I remember hiring my first person just being like, oh my gosh, like this is on me. Like their livelihood is on me and that responsibility. It is hard to carry, especially at first. I mean, you are the one that's paid the last. You are the one that works the hardest. You are the one that works the latest, especially at the beginning. And then once you get the team in and everyone feels really bonded, then everybody kind of starts to, uh, pass around the, the responsibility and it feels really good to have a team in that way. Uh, but just the flexibility and the, and the chance just to work from home if I want. I know everybody's working from home, but most people don't, uh, or most people used to not, or, you know, go to appointments or do what I need to do. That has been awesome. But I think more than anything, um, working in a place of passion, I just was not feeling that in my last job. And it just felt like every day was the exact same. You go to work, you come home, you have dinner, you watch a show, you go to bed, you do it again. You go to work, you come home, watch a show, go to bed. And that monotonous routine, that was sucking the life out of me more than working so hard, but working in a place of passion. So I would rather work, you know, 20 hours a day in something that I love than working, you know, eight hours in something that I don't love. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Definitely a special type of person. For sure. Take the entrepreneur route. Yeah. I mean, just really willing to work with no reward for a really long time. I mean, still, you know, I I feel like there are so many people, at least the people that I follow on Instagram, they seem just like, or the entrepreneur, they're like the personal development people. Uh, They seem like they popped out of nowhere and really they've been grinding for the last like 15 years and no one knew who they were for so long. Mm -hmm. And then one day they just, you know, something happened. And uh, well, at least to me, it felt that way. Something happened and they just kind of 
became what they are. And that's just not true. And they grinded for so many years, really without any reward. And that's the key. That's the key of just like, Hey, I know that I'm not going to see this reward tomorrow or even in the next five, maybe 10 years, but it's going to be worth it later on. And so, like I said, being really committed to the passion and being really committed to the, to the cause, I guess you could say, and not so much the effect. People think they Mm -hmm. work for the effect and they think of business owners as being so wealthy and having all this money. And while there's absolutely room to have all the money that you want, especially in sales, uh, the grind that it takes, it's super hard, but it is so worth it. Yeah. And okay. So now going into my generic questions that I ask sure. every episode. Ooh. Yeah. This is an interesting one. I get so many different, um, responses, but first being, what is your definition of success? Hmm. You know, that is so funny that you asked that because I was thinking about that recently. And uh, honestly, what what it feels like for me is pursuing my my God given gifts. And the thing about what's been cool about sales skills for my life is that you know I haven't really changed. But the sales skills has been able to to kind of take what's already inside of me and has brought them out uh, in a way that I just don't know if anything else could have done it the way that it has. And so really, like I said, working in that passion and working for the cause, that is the success. The effect and like what people are working for, the money, that is not as good as you think that it is. Really working to change people's lives, to really give them the skill set that is going to take them where they need to go and bring out what's already inside of them. That is the most success that I could possibly experience. Awesome. No, I love that. It's like before when you were saying like, it's the effect, you know? Yeah. So many people are just they just want the effect and I get it. I mean, I want the beach and the margarita and the, you know, like the hard earned reward too. But I mean, I'm sure Kelly, you've been on a vacation for like a week and you know, by day five, you're like, I'm ready to get home. Like I'm tired of laying around. I'm tired of just like, you know, drinking and eating. I'm ready to hit the ground running. That lifestyle of just chilling is not what it's not where it's at. People think it is. It is just not where it's at. Being in a place of passion and purpose, that is where it's at. A hundred percent. And another question here is if you could give yourself some advice mm-hmm. when you were younger, what would you give her? How much, how much younger? <laughs> Maybe like my age. Or how old are like you? 22. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. A 22-year-old Macy. I would tell her to stop thinking about herself and go help other people. So much of what I, um, what stopped me from doing what I felt like I could do. I was just so worried about what people would think about me. I'm sure you feel that way. We were just kind of talking about that earlier, Kelly. You were like, I posted this and then my friends saw and I was like, ah, so I got to delete it. It's uncomfortable. And that's exactly how I was. And honestly, Kelly, there's a lot of people in my life that just like stop being my friend. And I don't know if it's just because they, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, but that whole idea of people talking about me or my old pe- people that knew me as little Macy and then they see me as big, it just really messed with my brain. And when I just stopped thinking about myself and started thinking about the one person I could help, 
uh, everything changed and I stopped caring and I stopped and I started really caring about the people that needed me. Um, and that's what I would tell her in a heartbeat. I wish I could. (laughs) And my last question is what does a day in your life look like? And I know it's different probably every day, but what's a typical day, maybe even during quarantine? Oh, well, let's see. Um, so the week is really structured in a specific way that each day, each day of the week looks the same, but we're kind of doing different things. And like I said, my team is super small. So we've been going into the office and it's been really good for us to kind of be together and brainstorm together. But each Monday is kind of like an on-ramp day. So we kind of just pick up from the weekend. We kind of get our ducks in a row. I call it a uh, backstage day where I do kind of a little bit of admin. I do behind the scenes stuff. I'll get on my email. I do a lot of reading. I spend a lot of my time reading and studying. Uh, and maybe write a little bit of content. Every Tuesday is a sprint day. This is what we call a decision day. We will just table all decisions to be made on one day. So if I want to do a, a podcast, if I want to do a um, a training for a mastermind, if I, whatever that looks like, we table it for Tuesday. I'm definitely the person who says, hey, I can't tell you now but I can tell you on Tuesday. Uh, This just puts us in a place of, um, if you make kind of big decisions all day, every day, you experience a lot of decision fatigue and you start making low quality decisions. And so if you can just be in this place of like, hey, we are thinking about the big picture, the bigger vision of the business, let's decide on Tuesday. So we do all of our meetings, all of our calls, make decisions, really move the needle that way. Uh, Wednesdays are a lot of uh, on stage day stuff as well. So we do like any kind of shooting, filming. Um, we do podcast episodes, make reels, all that. And then Thursday is a backstage day. So we do content writing and all that. And then Friday is either backstage or on stage, depending on what needs to be tied up. So it's crazy. It's busy, busy. But uh, having those days kind of lined up is really helpful for the team to kind of all be on the same page. Wow, that's so interesting. Those are really smart tactics. Yeah, I mean, when you're kind of in a state of performing, as we call on stage, you just kind of get better and better throughout the day. So um, if you are talking on podcasts all day long, you'll find by the end of the day, you're actually talking much more smoothly. You're pausing more. You might be not be using as many filler words. Uh, you're just in a state of, like I said, performing a little bit. And then backstage, you can really not task switch and get into flow much, much easier that way. So really try to avoid calls on backstage days and really try to keep all calls on Tuesday as much as possible. Uh, Tuesdays are so back-to-back. It's not even funny, but I would rather it be that way than it's sprinkled throughout the week. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so just to close out, feel free to share your social channels with our listeners. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Macy McNeely. And then we have our Instagram uh, for the business, which is The Guide, G-U-I-D-E, Culture. And we also have a podcast, which is Guide Culture Podcast. So that's where we are. Awesome. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Kelly. Awesome.